It's Wine Week at Women Wine and Leadership. So why are we talking with a coach who runs a, a an uninhibited wellness business? Well, there are reasons why I think you need to challenge yourself outside of your comfort zone. And she's done this both ways. Susan Golichick founded this business along with a partner, taking people on adventure trips to um, really press their uh, sense of challenge to the outer edges. But she's also challenged herself in a project she was doing, um, doing basically a supply chain management uh, research project for companies in the wine industry. She went and got a sommelier license in order to speak the language. And that's something I really respect. It's something that I aspire to do one day. So I wanted to celebrate Wine Week with somebody who enjoys the level of um, gosh, not snobbery, but the level of quality control that I like to apply to my own wine drinking. (laughs) She and I really get along in that regard. And I want you to be inspired by what she's built and what she continues to generate through her whole life. So grab a glass of wine and join us. So this week's wine focus is on Susan Golichek, and it's not necessarily because she's full-time in the wine industry. She has a very interesting wine story to weave together with her profession uh, with a wellness organization and as a business professor at CSU, Mm -hmm. which I have a lot of respect for. I have a kid going into business soon. Oh, very good. We have to, we have to. Uh, mind meld here on where she needs to go. So <laughs> Susan, give us the 411 on Susan in general, your work history and what brought you to where you are today. Okay. Um, I, I've always been a really bad at sitting still. I like to do a lot of things and I think that's kind of how I ended up where I am. Uh, pretty ambitious growing up. Uh, I started as an engineer, then switched over to business Uh, But I really wanted to make an impact. Uh, I wanted to impact people largely. And so I had a professor that kind of planted a seed and said, you should think about being a professor because you'll have an impact every day. You'll impact your students, you do research, so you impact people through your research, impact businesses and so forth. And so I did pursue a PhD and became a professor. Um, And I I do love the impact I have with students and mentoring students um, and and working with companies and helping them solve problems. I found after a while though that um, I was a little bit uh, disillusioned, I guess, by the academic environment. Uh, I mean, every environment has politics, but the academic environment has politics and a tremendous amount of ego. Yeah. And so when I took my sabbatical, I decided to pursue a coaching certification. Um, I had some people ask me, well, think about what do you really love about what you do versus what do you not love? And what I loved was working with students, mentoring students, mentoring graduates that have gone on to other things in their career. So I got a coaching certification And that's when I started my wellness business um, because I really loved the coaching because I was able to make such an impact. So that still fed into that that passion and desire to help people and um, help them better their lives. And so that's kind of how I did all of that. Um, I've also run a nonprofit organization in the past few years. um, And just because I like, I love impact so much it's hard for me to say no, 
Although recently I've been trying to be a little bit better about, you know, that because I don't want to stretch myself too thin. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. Wow. So, and you're, you have a partner in this wellness coaching business. Mm -hmm. What is your typical coaching engagement look like? Who are you helping? So largely who we are working with are women that are at some transition in their life, whether they are just, um, trying to determine what it is they want in their life at this point because they've kind of done a lot of the things uh, that we all do. We're all conditioned when we grow up, get a good job, be, be, be part of a family, what have you. Um, and oftentimes women will come to a point in their life where, where they will say, hey, what about me? What do I really want to do and what do I want to focus on? So that's one point in women's lives where they, they tend to need some, a little bit of a push or, or a sounding board. Yeah. And so we often will work with women at that point um, through various means. We primarily use adventure in our business to help really? people move forward. Yeah. We are, we are largely positioned around using adventure. So we do adventure trips in different locations. When we coach, we use adventure as part of the coaching, whether that's simple stuff like taking a walk in a park someone has never been in or challenging them to try something while we're doing the coaching session. Yeah. We'll sometimes do workshops, group, um, group coaching as well. And again, we try to weave adventure in as much as possible because we've found that adventure really helps people put change into a better perspective. Right. Um, when facing something that they want to change in their life, changing habits is difficult, especially if you've had them for decades. So making it more of an adventure seems to make it a little bit more fun and make it seem a little bit easier to tackle. And then when we do accomplish adventurous things, we feel pretty proud of, of that. And so that's kind of why we weave that into what we do. So give me an example of an adventure. Have you, um, you take a group who um, you've coached individually and pull them together for an adventure? We may or may not have uh, coached them individually. We okay. sometimes get a lot of new clients when we go on adventure trips. We've gone several times to Costa Rica. Oh. Uh, it's a great environment, very inviting environment. The people are fantastic. And so we take them the, the adventurers, we take them down to Costa Rica and we go to a non-touristy area on the Pacific coast. We rent one house. It's a random draw for roommates um, mm -hmm. because we want, we want them on this adventure to challenge themselves. We yeah. want them to focus on themselves, number one, that's why they're there and why they're away from home. And we want them to challenge themselves physically. So we do a few different activities during the week that may or may not challenge them physically, depending on what they've done before. Right. We want them to be challenged socially, which is why we do the random draw, why we stay in one house together um, so that they really, a lot of discussion will happen between different people in the group because largely they don't really know each other before they get come on this trip. Right. Um, we also want to challenge them emotionally so we will actually have individual coaching sessions. We'll work with them. My business partner is a health coach and a personal chef. So Ooh. he does all of the cooking and he will bring them into the kitchen with him. And then they'll get to help him cook and learn new kitchen techniques, et cetera. So there's a little bit of adventures in eating. 
Um, and then we also challenge them uh, spiritually. So we there are ceremonies and, and different things. And we do connect a lot with locals. And so different language, um, but also very different culture as yeah. to how they operate and everything. And so it's, it's kind of a, a challenging vacation, if you will, um, yeah. where we kind of insert all these things for them. There's plenty of free time too for reflection and sleeping or swimming or beaching or whatever people want to do on the side. But that's one of the ways that we really help people kind of focus on themselves and then what they really want and, and push them forward. Yeah. Wow. What is the, you must collect stories of transformation that happens on these retreats because I mean, I do retreats too. Mine are different. Mine and yoga retreats are very different from adventure retreats. Yeah. Our adventure has to do with a two-fisted kind of, <laughs> and we try not to overdrink. But um, <laughs> uh, tell me a story of somebody who had a transformational experience and, you know, through, through the experiences that you've created. So we had um, one person come on one of the trips and this individual was dealing with some self-image issues um, that had had been part of this person's life for a long time, as well as some relationship issues. Mm -hmm. I've been in a long-term relationship, um, a very serious relationship, and was very unhappy. Um, and then in this, this trip, I watched this individual do things that this person said, I'm not gonna do that. When, um, we went zip lining and this when when we you know when this person saw this on the schedule was like do we have to do everything <laughs> and we said no it's it's optional we'd really like for you to try it you know you can you don't have to complete it but we'd love for you to so this individual came with us um and got the gear on and everything and then basically said I will I will do the first one and then I will decide from there and so we said okay that's great eyes closed and everything but did it uh, and then continued to do the subsequent zip lines and other other things that we had that were part of that day it wasn't zip lining there were some other things um, there was one activity that was part of that day that the individual said, yep, nope, that's not happening. Not going to do that. And that, that was fine. Um, but it was really was it eating bugs or anything. Was it? No, no, <laughs> it was just a different high element kind of thing. Okay. But it was great to see that, that this person pushed themselves. Yeah. And, and that was really cool. And then in one of the ceremonies that we did, that was a heart-centered ceremony, and I suspected this could potentially have an impact because of the relationship issues. This person uh, was very reflective and very calm and quiet at the beginning, and then burst into hysterical tears by the end of the ceremony, mm. but, but communicated, no, this is good. Just yeah. let me go through this. Process, and, yeah. Yeah, and then in coaching sessions, a lot more was revealed, and I just, I saw this person stand taller and smile bigger nice. by the end of the trip, and then after the trip, we always follow up with people. And I was going to say, how are they doing now? Yeah, so this person is pursuing some different things career-wise, more yeah. in line with what they want for their life. 
they did end that relationship after they got back and now, uh, and ended it well because the two of them are really good friends apparently, which is good. fantastic. Nice. Um, and yeah, and this person is, is just happier pursuing things that mean more to them. Good. So it was just, it was really fulfilling to see that. Right. Isn't it amazing when somebody realizes that the constraints that we've had on ourselves um, aren't necessary. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. they're constructed by our own beliefs or other people who don't even have an influence or say in what we do now. So yeah, it's not always easy to make a change because we tend to get stuck in the comfortable. And, and when I say comfortable, I mean comfortable because it's known, yeah. not comfortable because we're happy, but we know what to expect. <laughs> So we tend to just get comfortable with that. Right. And then sometimes we'll justify it with, well, this is still okay. And this is still good. And I still get this. And so I'll stay, even though there's all these other things that aren't adding up. Um, yeah. So that it's hard to overcome that and say, all right, I'm willing to take the leap, not knowing if I'm going to land on the soft place or if I'm going to hit the jagged rocks first. Uh -huh. so, well, you know, I teach uh, this wine metaphor in my wine retreats and um, probably the most aha moment that a lot of people have is once that perfect fruit is plucked from the vine, before it becomes the product that we enjoy, it gets crushed and pressed. Yes, and when we can see ourselves in the crushing and pressing and realize, oh, that's just a part of the process. Yeah. It doesn't mean I suck. It means that I'm in the right place. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It means that I just got to get through this and then, man, I'm going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, I had to make the synapse into wine and I have two questions on this. Number one, I want to do the research that you're doing when you did an eight year study on marketing and supply chain management in the wine industry. That sounds like fun and sounds like a good reason to become a smile. <laughs> It was, it was, it was a really good reason. <laughs> so I want to hear more about that story. And I also want to hear a lot of people ask me because I, I teach this wellness program, but I also do these wine and yoga retreats and people say, how can you put wine and wellness in the same sentence? And I know you chair a wine and wellness, um, women, wine and wellness program where you are. So tell me what you think about wine in the context of, of wellness. Okay. Um, I, I really think, so there are studies and of course there's studies on absolutely everything. And there's usually studies to support as well as studies against. Um, but studies do show that wine in moderation is actually really good for you. It's got some great characteristics in it that are antioxidant and good for the body. Um, assuming that there's not allergies and things like that as uh -huh. some people have. Um, and so from that perspective, you know, the, the one glass a day or depending on your, your body, because it is individual specific, um, it can be very good to help the body function. Yeah. In addition, I'm a firm believer that if, if there are things in life that make you happy, then eat them, drink them, do them, because... If that's going to fulfill you and make you happy and make you a good individual and, and that's going to spread to the people that you're with, then by all means do that. 
Yeah. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a wellness person and I'm a fitness junkie and I watch the way I eat and things like that, but I'm not going to give up wine and chocolate because <laughs> I love them and they make me happy. And if I had to give them up completely, I, I would be less happy. And, and, and I don't, so I really do believe that, that there are things that can help your wellness. In addition, we were talking earlier, wine is social. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of, I mean, a lot of drinking is social. A lot of people do it just when they're out with people yeah. and wine is, wine is a big thing. Wine is growing in consumption. A lot more and more people are drinking it and it is, it is a social beverage. And so usually, right, a bottle of wine, most people don't open a bottle of wine because they're not going to drink it necessarily by themselves unless they're going to space it out over a couple of days or whatever. Yeah. But when people come together and they open wines, um, and, and oftentimes it's usually people that are interested in wine and they get together and they'll have the conversations and it just, it stimulates a lot of connection yeah. between people. And so, and that we are wired for connection. And right. so when you're in those environments, I think that's boosting your wellness also, because when you're feeling good, you're happy, you're connecting with people, that's going to help all the positive chemicals in the body start mm -hmm. manufacturing and you're just, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel happier. Yeah. When you talked about wine and chocolate and happiness, it led me to our, our earlier conversation about the fact that the, the more you know about wine, the higher your requirements are. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that that applies equally for wine and chocolate in my life. And it, it saves me from buying a lot of cheap wine but uh, it also keeps me from eating a lot of like lousy chocolate too. <laughs> I agree. Life's too short. And then, you know, the, the, what friends don't let friends drink bad wine and uh -huh. life's too short to drink bad wine. I am a firm believer of that. Now that said, right. I, I'm also a, a firm believer. My mom used to only drink white Zinfandel, which, <laughs> which I don't even think should be classified as a wine. That's right. just my personal opinion. However, and my mom would always say things like, I know you think that I, because I drink this, it's silly. And I'm like, no, mom, if you really like it, then that's what I want you to drink. Yeah. Because that's really, and when I go out with people, some people will hand me the wine list and say, this is what I'm ordering for dinner. You tell me what wine to drink. And then I know other people that are like, I'm having fish, but I only like red wine. So I'm going to drink red wine. And then they'll look at me and they'll say, sorry. And, and my response is don't be sorry, because if that's what you like, that's what you should drink. That's what you like. And honestly, I do love red wine. I do have a few favorite whites that go really well with fish, but sometimes I just want my Syrah is really my all time favorite. Um, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So um, your sommelier, uh, certification came out of this um, research project that you did um, mm -hmm. where you wanted to speak the language of the industry better. Yes. Yeah. So I, let's see, the project started in 2009. And, um, and so then in 2010, I pursued a certification as a sommelier from the International Wine Guild in Denver. And I did that largely to just understand the language. I wanted to understand what, it, what, it took to grow grapes and what it took to then produce wine and, mm -hmm. um, and, and all of that 
came out of this, this class, as well as we would taste the typical wines from different regions around the world. We would study the wine labels because wine labels are different depending on where they come from. And a lot of that has to do with the regulations around wine in the different countries. And so that certification exposed me to all of that, which enabled me to be a better interviewer when we were collecting data for the research project. It also enabled me to have a better palate to know what I was tasting, to know when we would travel to the different places, to know how to order wine. Um, and then I, and that's also when I really started to experience uh, pairing wine with foods and how they complement each other and so forth. And so, that project went on for about eight years, um, collected data and published data and so forth. Um, but as a, a side from that certification, um, I've had a lot of people come to me with, recommend, you know, give me recommendations on where to go, give me recommendations, I'm doing this dinner, what wines should I think about serving, um, and, and just various things beyond that. And it, it just gets me really excited when people want more information on it and I can share that with them. And, yeah. and I also love it then if I'm going to dinner with somebody and they're like, Ooh, here's what we're having. You bring the wine. And, uh, I get excited about stuff like they that. They know you're going to pick a good one. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, though, so I, and I don't know about you, Donna, but I have this at home and I, maybe this is a big secret I shouldn't be giving away, but, um, I have my good wine and I have my friend wine. <laughs> so because I do have some friends that are going to come over and say yeah give me a glass of wine what do you want I don't care um no, you and don't get you're going to drink it fast enough that I know they're not really appreciating what the so they're going to get a friend wine yeah. <laughs> I think that's really smart my really yeah and then I have the the friends that really appreciate wine and that's who I'm going to share the really good stuff with yeah, and you want to share the good stuff with someone who's going to savor it and notice the all the intricacies that make it really great wine. Yeah. So, and I've put together some really great. I'm going to have to check out your yoga and wine retreats. I've put together some really great wine trips to Napa and things for girlfriends, and oh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. Well, I was just I, I had a a friend who was trying to hook me up with a winemaker in Napa to host a retreat and they decided no we don't want to have people staying here so I, I need to find a place you need you need to let me know if you know the good place okay yeah I definitely I definitely but, will. well it's it's so much fun because if you like to drink wine but you also want to appreciate it a little bit more I have a, a master of wine who comes to my retreats to do the wine education nice and she is so knowledgeable it amazes me the skill that goes into a master of wine certification. Yeah, it, it takes a lot. Floored by that. I don't think I have, I would have to do something radical to clear my palate to where I could actually pass those exams because um, it's just incredible what they do. But um, I'm curious to know now that you know a lot about wine and you've been working in kind of this wellness coaching, somewhat inner leadership development work, do you see a lot of parallels between the craftsmanship in wine and the craftsmanship of inner leadership? Uh, you know, I, I guess the, the one thing that comes to mind is, is passion. Um, I think that would probably be the, the definite parallel I would draw. I would say that, that, um, that was a big thing that when I was 
talking to winemakers and, and winery owners, um, the passion that they have for the wine yeah. and, and the communicating the passion to share that with people. And I think really good leaders have a lot of passion. They have passion for what they do. They have passion for people they work with. Yeah. Um, and that is pretty evident, especially if, if, if someone is a good leader, it's because their passion is evident and it's contagious. Right. And, and, and so I think I would say that that's probably the, the biggest parallel that, that I have, have experienced between the two in, yeah. in working with various businesses as a professor and things like that. And, and yeah, it's, it's usually the passion. Of course, there's, there's plenty of conversations that, that business leaders have over a glass of wine or over right. dinner with wine as well. And, and, I, and I think that, again, goes back to kind of the connection and the, the social aspect. Um, right. I think a lot of good ideas can be exchanged um, among people and things like that when they do get together in those social situations, away from the office, away from the company, mm -hmm. what have you. Yeah, I agree. It's a, an opportunity to bond, especially if you appreciate some of the uh, idiosyncrasies and the, the special characteristics in wine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that you told me the story about being in South Africa and actually um, the only box wine you've had recently is, is from South Africa. And I bet it was a lot better than a lot of the box wine you get here because they, they have some superb wines in South Africa, don't they? They do really have some great wines. And, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure if I thought it was really great because it was really great South African wine happened to be in a box when we bought it in Africa, or if it was really great because of the experience. Right. Um, it's, it's hard to know because, you know, when I, when I drank that, I was with friends, I was on a safari, mm -hmm. we were seeing amazing sights, and, you know, and, and another thing that I don't usually, I don't usually drink wine out of plastic glasses. Uh, me too, uh, I'm a snob in that yeah. So here we were. I'm not sure. I may have actually sent you the photograph that a girlfriend took of me with my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and my plastic glass, glass with box of wine. the boxed South <laughs> African wine. Um, but I, I remember just being very, and, and, and it was the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich I'd ever had also. Yeah. <laughs> So I kind of, I think the uh, experience had something to do with it, but it was, it was really, yeah, there, there's amazing wine all over the world. Um, different varietals right. are, are very popular in certain regions and, and they're fantastic. South African wines are great. And, and frankly, I, I'm big into sustainability and boxes are more sustainable yeah. depending on the inks and the, the linings in yeah. the box. And stuff, but it's more sustainable than glass. Mm -hmm. So uh, it also helps shipping, which reduces the, you know, so, right. so it is more sustainable. So, yeah, that's really true. Um, yeah, the sustainability is definitely uh, an, a part of the deal, but um, I want to go back to the experience part of it. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the fact that um, you'll have um, two bottles of wine from the same vintage and one that you've consumed in a relaxed atmosphere with friends tastes very different than the one that you might 
pour at four o'clock in the afternoon while you're still working before you're actually done for the day. Right. There's, there's something that's, that's going on in the atmosphere that changes the way we experience wine. I really think, I know that neuro, neurochemically, things are, are happening when we're engaged in conversation and we're a different state of mind. That makes sense. But I didn't realize how much that affected the palate. It does. And, and I think it's, it's, it's the people you're with, the conversations that's happening, the environment you're in. Are, you know, are you sitting in an Adirondack chair underneath the sun looking over the vineyards and the hills and, and so forth um, right. versus are you sitting at a desk wrapping up an email and, and, and who knows what the, the frame of mind or the attitude is behind the email. And you know, so all of those factors really play a role in, I, I, in a couple of things. And so they play a role in what you're tasting because I really think that your body chemistry, if your body chemistry is different, mm -hmm. then your palate is going to detect some things that are different. So it's definitely going to play a difference or make a difference in how you think a wine tastes or a food or what have you. And I, it's also going to, that kind, those kinds of factors also play a role in, in how you interact with other people. And so that kind of goes back to leadership and, and, you know, if, if you're coming out of a, a, a tense, stressful environment with people that you're not crazy about, and then you have to go into this other interaction with the team of people you work with, that's going to be very different than if you're coming out of, I just had this great experience, and, or I saw this exciting presentation, and I'm learning all these great things, and now I'm going to go work with my team, and now I'm excited to tie, you know, it, it, those kinds of things have physical impacts on our on us and then change the way we really interpret perceive things we're doing things we're eating drinking etc right so true so true well i think it's an important thing to remember um and i i just i love the neurological um explanation for why we have different experiences i love that you've um elevated my own uh, it you've reinforced why i i like to drink the better wines because it's just a better use of my time and, yeah um and it, you know our retreats are very similar but very different so i want to give people a chance to contact you if they want a more uninhibited wellness adventure um how would they get in touch with you how do you want people to connect there's, uh, you can go to our website, which is www.uw.coach. So that's our, our quick and easy website link. Um, and there's contact forms on the website. You can also email me at susan at uninhibitedwellness.com. Um, if you search on Facebook for uninhibited wellness or YouTube uh, or Instagram, then you'll find us. Um, and yeah, and I'd love to hear from you, even if you just want to ask a question about wine or just wellness in general or adventure or what have you. Um, I'd love to talk to you because I, I love connecting with people. Yep. That's great. Well, I sure had fun getting to meet you. I think it was at Women of Denver, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. That was an awesome group of women. Yeah. And in are. fact, you know, I have, um, Crystal Covington on the podcast actually this week. So it's just fantastic. Yeah, around. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been fun to chat, fun to talk wine. You're making me want to go open a bottle now. I'll thank wait. you, Donna. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not drinking during the month of February, and now I'm like, hmm, hmm. you want to cheat today? <laughs> just, no, just, just imagine that first bottle you're going to open when you're, you're wine. Right, when it's March 1st. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's all good. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Susan. Thank you, fun. Donna. Have a good one. You too. So are you enjoying our Wine Week interviews on Women, Wine, and Leadership? I want you to know that I keep a, an inventory of all of the favorite wines that we talk about on the podcast in my wine palace on Pinterest. So just go to Pinterest and look up 360 Life Strategies and you will find Donna's Wine Palace. So next time you're in a store and you're not sure what to buy, I can give you recommended labels. And I guarantee that most of these are under $15. Every once in a while we go wild. So it's something you can trust. Wine Palace on Donna Carlson 360 on Pinterest. And um, I hope you will take a minute to rate this podcast. Let us know what you think so we can keep bringing you great stories about women, wine, and leadership.